horror 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 movie? <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's make our movie? I wonder what we'll be like then. Brains in jars, I'm gonna guess. We're a long way for God knows, son. Slowly Coming out of his mouth. Crawling out yeah, of his mouth and stretching his skin. Right. So he doesn't save them, the bridge goes down, people die, and he's like, oh well, job done. Clarence. Can yeah. we try to take two again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is maybe don't trust sentient hats to make life-changing decisions, but... <laughs> Thanks for your correspondence, Jacobs. <laughs> Welcome to episode nine of Let's Make a Horror Movie. I'm Dave. And I'm John. This is the podcast where each episode we take it in turns to pitch the other one a horror movie idea, a first draft, and one that welcomes any and all improvements, both from the opposing host, but also from you Lamamians. <laughs> yeah, or John's. Or John's. If you if you're a, if you're a John team person, <laughs> then you can call yourself a John by all means. Yeah, yeah. But how's you like that? That's compromise. Calling right? out to my uh, John brethren out there. <laughs> <laughs> and for all of you Lamamians, your team Dave. So one of us pictures the other one a movie idea, horror movie idea, and the other one builds on it like muskrats building a lodge. Ooh, I like that. You go, muskrat is similar to a beaver, but not yeah. quite the same. No, oh, no, worlds so. apart. They're not oh, that worlds apart. <laughs> they're, they're, they're so similar, I had to Google what the difference was, <laughs> and it, beavers have um, flat, wide tails, <laughs> muskrats have thin tails, yeah. and they also show more of their body when they're swimming. Mate, I know what I'm telling you. I know what I'm telling you. I know what I'm telling you. Boring to me. Anyway, as always, you can uh, contact us at let's make a horror movie at gmail.com or on Twitter at lamampod. That's L M A H M pod. And we're also on Instagram and you can call us on 01011 I think. Yeah. It's beef. You've got a binary phone, right? Everyone's got binary. Yeah, everything's binary these days. Yeah. Everything is binary. It's all ones and zeros, mate. We've all seen the Matrix. That is such a 11001 thing to say. <laughs> oh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, quick things then. For anyone that's new, this podcast has three acts. The first act, we cover off feedback from last week. Yep, which was your, your pitch. That's right. They're interesting. Looking forward to seeing Spoils of War. Yes. Which, you came yep. up with that name. I think it's my favourite name of all of the names so far. I was pleased with it. And uh, so, act two. We cover all of culture from the last fortnight. There you go. No stone is left unturned. Yeah. And uh, Act 3 is the pitch itself. Which so is my pitch this week. It is episode 9 odds. That means it's a John week. Yep. So, um, One of the odd ones. Yeah. We're, we're learning. We're like... We're, every, every week, we're, every fortnight we're getting better. We're like big babies. Yeah, yeah. With um, equipment that we shouldn't have. We're like big yes. babies with plant equipment. Yep. You know, like diggers and yep. shit. And we're like, you know, figuring out what the, the levers do. The first, the first two episodes, you could barely even hold our heads without oh. choking. <laughs> now... I almost died a cot death. You did. <laughs> <laughs> or you playing the old drinking game out there and drink for cot death. <laughs> so... Oh, God. Yeah, okay. I went in hard you on did. that one. So maybe maybe that will make it. On a slight caveat for my voice is a little bit croaky today. Mm. Um, I mean, I say today, uh, when I as I was driving here, I sang very loudly to Rammstein mm. and, and really hurt my throat. I don't know how he does it. That German man, he's very good. I, I think he doesn't do it a lot anymore, I think. It's probably I think how he does, he does it. Just, he does it a lot. He's, is he he's, still he's touring been, a lot? Yeah, yeah, they've got a new album out as well. Um, sing along to Fuck me. Really good. Well, I'll have to get my... Uh, I'm clearly a few years behind in my you Ramstein are. knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Your, your like, knowledge of um, heavy metal is really out of date, mate. Mm. You're still singing mutter. <laughs> like a fucking idiot. <laughs> I think we should move on to Act 1. I think we should move yeah, on, okay. yeah. <laughs> so, hello, That's well. all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> 
feedback on last week. Yes, Spoils uh, of War. So, uh, first bit of feedback is from Mothman, educated story construction expert and friend of the show, yeah. J-Dubs. <laughs> and I haven't read this yet, so let's, let's crack it. Ooh. Dear Dave and Kajon. Okay. That's spelled K-J-Y-O-N. Yeah. I'm happy with that. I'm writing this from my oyster room on an unseasonably warm <laughs> evening. Bit rushed to forgive the lack of lyrical genius. So, titles, he suggests yeah. for Spoils of War. Noun and a place. <laughs> well, yeah, he normally goes for noun and a place, and you set him a challenge last week. He's gone with banter in Byzant- Byzantine. Byzantine. <laughs> it's going to have to be Byzantium, J-Dubs. Banter in Byzantium. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty good. That's very nice. The Cappadocian Caper. That's brilliant. That is fun. That's that, really good. If the Muppets do a version. And, they, and they're going to do and one of will. all of our movies. Yeah. Romanus Aeunt Domum. Oh, you didn't provide a translation. What's, <laughs> what's a Roman... Oh, am I going to have to Google that? That's, I mean, I can't. I mean, uh, I'm rusty so on my Romans ancient languages. Aeunt Dor... He's such a bastard for making me do this. <laughs> Domum... How about we translate it, Google, yeah? Not just... Not Everyone's got a working knowledge of Latin, you, Use they? all your dodged tacks. Oh, here we go. An intentionally garbled Latin phrase from Monty Python's Life of Brian. It's <laughs> bo- Oh, fucking hell, I didn't get it. Yeah, it's, bo- it's Romans Go Home. It's when he writes it on <laughs> oh, yeah. the... <laughs> which yeah. is actually, ironically, one of my favourite scenes of anything ever. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I didn't pick up on the uh, reference, so... Pretty, uh, it's embarrassing, that. Pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to cut now and then go, <laughs> Life of Brian? <laughs> Good Life of Brian joke, J-Dubs. <laughs> um, Seamless. His favourite, Lumpy Romans. <laughs> so J-Dubs goes on to say, You might have to kill the cold open, as this is a lot of exposition for something you later use to build tensions. Tension. So yeah. he's talking about the presence or the or lack of supernatural influence. I think that's actually not a bad shout, actually. Because if you think about like Dust or Dawn, was I think you name checked in the thing. There was no cold opening vampire. I don't think. Oh uh, yeah, no, that's true. All that's you, true. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. It might have to take out the. Yeah, I get your point, J Dubs. Yeah, that's a fair point. We yeah. should probably it's make gone. it just sacrificing. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's gone. John's, God, John's exact power of this. He says smoke should be penetrating the wider region, causing cruelty, but I'm going to change that to could, <laughs> because I'm sure you didn't mean to be so presumptuous. <laughs> um, <laughs> Embarrassing. This is the... <laughs> this is the trying to draw people to the apparent safety of the city. Could be suggested in minor mutations on locals. That's quite a fun idea. I quite like that, actually, because yeah. I, I, I like the implication that it is a, kind of like a trap. Yeah. So I think that feeds into that quite nicely. In the sequence where the scouts get lost when saving the girl child, they could mm. become deprived of their scout manual recognised methods for navigation, i.e. no moon, no stars, fucked up magnetic field. He puts in brackets, I have not fact-checked the use of compasses in Byz- Byzantine times, or Byzantine... <sighs> I'm going to make a. Ma- <laughs> I managed to get through the last episode without making a yeah. mess of that every no, you time. Did it very clean. And now it's just a complete mess. So he's saying, uh, you know, fucked up magnetic field with a suggestion of an unnatural cause. I feel like the evil smoke might steal the show in this movie. Potentially blue on blue, when the scouts meet the survivors on level three, the altered state and lack of expectation of finding friendly faces would potentially lead to a strike first type response. Also, straight out of the scouting manual. This would cut short the time and clarity by which the main characters get any exposition of their situation. This leaves more room for exposition via torchlight and some jump scares, which would be awesome. 
Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, I, awesome. I think he's nailing it. Need to tie in the body horror to the monster with some more purpose. It is connected just now, but tenuously perhaps, as Kajon suggested, their behavior is modified to meet the monster's needs. Otherwise, this appears to be just for visuals. Yeah, I like yeah. that as well. Perhaps the monster was imprisoned by a selfless sacrifice mm. to escape the soldiers need to do the same. Following this, the whole city may begin to implode and the surviving scouts need to fight their way out of the chaos. Otherwise, what happens to all the levels of people? All dead following a horrific implosion or roaming the earth as UKIP? <laughs> I know what I prefer, he says. Postscript thoughts. Is it just me, or could the Assad description just sound like a beetle? <laughs> yeah, true. What, like Six limbs, hard Ringo. shell, rounded feel. It did say covered in eyes, yeah. and yeah, three arms, three legs. I feel like beetles... Mo- don't most um, insects have even numbers of... Uh, Oh, do you know what? I'm pulling that <laughs> straight out of the old Richard Gear. <laughs> I mean, it could look beetle-esque. I saw it more as like a weird boglin. Yeah, I actually am boglin. That's, yeah. that's, that was my go-to, but with little little legs. Mm. Well, I wanted it to be huge mm-hmm. and almost un... unwieldy. So you don't even see it all. Mm. You can't see it all. Like It's too big. Yeah. So whatever's moving through the smoke isn't necessarily it, but it's some sort mm. of manifestation. Yeah. That's kind of how I'd seen it. Obviously, I didn't say any of that. I just imagined that it, it was all implied, mate. Oh, it was it's all, all in the, you, You've got to read between yeah. the It's all lines. the words you aren't saying. <laughs> yeah. The entire... The best stories that I've done are all in the subtext. Yeah. Layers yeah. upon layers, mate. I'd never be so obtuse and bold yeah. as to, to actually write them down and say yeah, them out loud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, to, a, it's a bit gauche, isn't it? <laughs> to, got, start, got to, read, to, yeah, to actually tell a story like that. Yeah, got no, to read I'm, between the lines. Love the fact that one of the most implausible elements massive underground city is real no my voice yeah, it is very cool names for the listeners hey oh, so right, like right. right now john's is too close to the truth i'll bet a good percentage of the listeners are me <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> how about mammies uh, oh right because the mammies yeah um, mammies. i mean it sounds bad exec producers yeah actually that's a good show that's really good. that's a good show yeah, that is maybe really we good. should do that Mm-hmm. Apostles of Clarence is suddenly become my favourite. Or editors. Apostles of Clarence or exec producers, that's winning it for I me. quite like editors. Uh, what, the band? Yeah, I do quite like the band, actually. Some of my ones got seated. Bit of a small regret. Because it looked, it looked like it was people dancing quite a lot. Well. Yeah, it's just one of my rich stories. <laughs> what I loved is yeah. that it had a beginning, middle and an end. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Johnny Usenoff, they call me. Please find attached a musical submission based on my favourite character. I thought of a few alternative names for your characters. <laughs> Expositionist, voiceover guy. Extratus, guy who dies first. Everymanus, y'all's main character. Uh, Pertwinius, your man Sean. I missed that. We, for some reason, had a bit of a yeah. love-in uh, about Sean Pertry last week. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. It doesn't make it any less true. Yeah, no, always welcome. He says, don't forget best friends, Jordius and his black and white armour, and Oceanus in his cork hat and large knife. <laughs> also the old... <laughs> <laughs> also the old scouts, <laughs> Grizzlius and Longbeardatus. I don't think he's taking this very I seriously. I feel like... Man. Yeah, I feel like... He's having fun. <laughs> That's not why we're here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cool. Oh, yeah, actually, also, on that, J-Dove's yeah. has made us uh, a little song based, oh, yeah, on, based on this. 
So we're all watching the violence together before mm -hmm. one of the men says, Clarence? Clarence? No, <laughs> let me try that again. Clarence? <laughs> Can yeah. we try to take two again? Clarence? 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 A lot going on there. Busy. Who's that? Kill Jester. If you want to hear that in the flesh, so yeah. to speak, look in the comments. Maybe there'll be a yeah. link. Hear it in the comfort of your own homes, as it were. Hmm. Um, yeah, thanks, J-Dubs. Yeah, brilliant. thanks, J-Dubs, for that. As always, that's brilliant. And, Lovely uh, bit of uh, joining thanks, in. Thanks to Kill Jester stroke J-Dubs. I don't know. I think that's it. Did you get any feedback this week? Um, not particularly. <laughs> I mean we... Well, we are recording early we're recording early because yeah. you're selfishly doing stuff oh, on the fortnight I am difficult but you know I'm worth it you're doing an escape room I am doing an escape room do you know room. what the theme is yeah Sherlock the TV series yeah. someone has to be Martin Freeman then oh, hopefully me oh really oh, Martin no. Freeman's alright fuck that I if you had to Freeman. choose to be either Cumberbatch's Sherlock or Martin yeah. Freeman's Watson, I think you're, you're still picking Watson. You're overlooking the depth of myself, Loven. Yeah. I don't see myself as a Cumberbatch any, and even on my best day. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be thankful to be a Freeman. <laughs> yeah, you could do Vodafone ads and a whole load of shit. <laughs> He's all right. He is definitely all right. <laughs> Even in the books, like, Watson is not the character that you want to be. You want to be Holmes. He's like mm. a fucking boxer. Yeah. He chases the dragon. Yeah. He's, he's got it all. But it looks like it's hard work being Holmes. So you have to do a lot. Well, no, I read it the other way. I feel like it's so easy for him. Yeah. That's why he's an opium addict. True. But, you know, Watson's got a walking stick, and I've always thought that complete my life. Yeah, and a limp. Yeah. So it's not just, you don't just but get the stick. He was in not a bad um, African zombie movie recently. Oh, uh, yeah. What's that one called? Oh, the Package or something? The Parcel? <laughs> something like that. Is it the one where he's got his kids? Like a baby? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's yeah. got a little nipper in tow, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. And I, I went, that. oh, interesting concept. And then I um, didn't want to watch it. I it see was. enough of him on Vodafone adverts. Yeah, you, mean you watch him all day, don't you? All day. Yeah, big Voda head. Oh, I'm a vote head. Yeah. Yeah, big vote head. <laughs> yeah. You know, Martin Freeman profits off the fact that they don't <laughs> pay tax in any really true sense, or at least they dodge a shitload. Yeah. Um, one of the many reasons to love Martin Freeman. Is the a kind of like CO2 leak in it? <laughs> Dude, I'm absolutely, I'm, I'm an absolute mess. Even by our standards, I'm not sure where this is going. So you've had you've had a little taste, a little cheeky um, extra of Act Two, mm. a little um, a moose bouche. You mean <laughs> that? Well, technically that's a palate cleanser. Uh, but look, hey, who wants to get into uh, technicalities? <laughs> so um, <laughs> I was finishing Jeff and Anne Vandermeer's anthology Sisters of the Revolution, which I mentioned a few episodes back that I was starting, been dragging my feet a bit because mm. busy life, um, yeah. but it's fucking great. 
every story in it is a gem and there are a couple of really really good standout stories uh, if you're a short story fan yeah you're not going to go wrong with this book if you're a fan of um, of the written word mm. i think jeff fandom is um you can do a lot worse yeah and that's me what about you you've done shit loads there come on oh, what have i been you've doing what shit you were tweeting about shit. oh yeah tigers are not afraid unbelievable maybe movie of the year so on Shudder, everybody, everybody who's listening listen to this who hasn't got Shudder, you've only given half the experience, in my mind. Shudder is almost the, the companion piece to this oh, podcast. Oh, to this podcast. Yes. <laughs> I mean, because Shudder is phenomenal. And yeah, Tiger's Not Afraid is not only is it the best horror film of the year, it might be the best movie of the year. It's, it's, and so it's overtaken Daniel's Not Real. Then. It might do. I mean, they are a, a very worse than apart. They're both very powerful movies. Um, I do you know what I won't say anything about Tigers are not are not afraid because it's let's just say it's a very Guillermo Toro esque thing, but it's set in Mexico. It's quite grim. It's like a lot of sort of like um, hyper real dark fantasy. Mm. It will kick you in the heart. It's brilliant. That that sounds great. I mean, people have been losing their shit about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and to be fair, Daniel isn't real. I got I got one more thing to say for Act Two, unless yeah. there's anything else you want to jump in with. Um, I finished the Institute. It's really good. Yeah, and you um, you're starting to read Doctor uh, Sleep. Yes, right? yeah, because the movie's coming out in about a few weeks. So far, it's really good. Uh, the only other thing I was going to say, moving on, is next month. Yeah. Is October. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> we uh, I'm, I'm overly excited. Do you want to say because your idea? Okay, yeah. So we're thinking of doing sort of seasons. Not thinking. Oh no, I think we're doing we're doing Halloween. Yeah, we, we, we're doing it. Yeah. Um, thinking of doing um seasonal pictures. So for October, we're going to do Halloween-based pictures. We're both open to interpret that in any way that we see fit. Yeah. And I'm suggesting maybe we'd even do a Christmas one, perhaps even Easter, uh, <laughs> because that'd be fun. Yeah. And there's uh, about to be more religious public holidays we can sort of Oh, I mean, I always catch that an idea of Jesus coming back angry. <laughs> I don't, do you know what? I genuinely have written something yeah. about that. Yeah, why not? Was. That'd be fucking... I really did I would, write that I once. would watch that. I yeah. once wrote a little um, comedy short story for my own benefit of Jesus spending 2,000 years training to come back to get revenge. And every time he's about to on come back... Um, on who? On, on the Romans. Oh. <laughs> Specifically the Romans. Who's going to Very clearly the Romans. He's gone very broad with his blame, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, definitely the Romans. And every time he's about to come back, he finds out that basically there's, there's new weaponry. So he trains again. Mm-hmm. And all the angels are keep kind of saying to him, <laughs> Uh, it's been a while, Jesus. Do you want to calm down? It's yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. And he's Mate, like, and he's like, no, 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 no. He goes, oh, no. Have you ever seen M16s? I've got to get good with that because they're just gonna, they're gonna win. Needs to smoke a horror doobie. Yeah. So he, so he just, he just, he gets constantly trying to up his game. I like that. I just really, a bit of fun. I really like to hear a pitch about that in future. I, I, I mean, might be amazed to pitch. Right? But um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> from my point of view, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, the point is, we're doing Halloween pictures. We're doing Halloween time. pictures in October. So the next pitch will be mine in two weeks. Then John two weeks yeah. after that. Both of which will be in October. Both of which will be Halloween themed. Yeah. From my point of view, this this is a purely commercial decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I see sort of making a good Halloween film yeah. in a similar vein to making a great Christmas single. Yep. You yep. know, like uh, it keeps on sort of paying yep. off your. You have got year. a real Freeman mindset about this. <laughs> Freemaphone. I do recognise that the uh, remuneration structures for music and films work in different ways. <laughs> so it somewhat ruins my uh, analogy, but you know, nonetheless, get it, it still get a lot of chat every yes, year. Yes. Yeah, get a lot yeah. of noise around yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> uh, so I want to I want to write Black Christmas but mm. for Halloween and I know there is also yeah. Halloween that yeah. already exists yeah, yeah. and it sort of really nailed the title as well really in did. terms of tying into it the holiday it smashed it yeah 
Um, so, but you know, hey, we'll, we'll figure it out. So yeah, I look forward to that in the next episode and yeah, the one after that. Episode yeah. ten and eleven will yeah, be uh, Halloween, Halloween two parter. <laughs> on that incendiary yeah. device, yeah. Let's uh, let's move on to Act Three. Okay, shall we? Welcome to Act Three. Yeah, hello to people who have probably quite wisely skipped the first two acts. I think this one, if you're ever going to skip to the third act, I feel like this is maybe the one. <laughs> I mean. I mean, obviously, obviously, we're telling you that now. Telling you that now is yeah. too late. <laughs> so, but you know, sorry if you're if you're telling your friends, yeah, which obviously would be doing. Of course, I mean, we are we are we are quite a niche podcast. We are niche. So, John, okay, this is my pitch. I thought you were almost he left for for, for folks that can't see us. Yeah. For everyone that's not watching the the live feed, yeah. You're missing a John, treat. John wasn't holding his paper, and I really thought he was just going to do it from memory. <laughs> yeah. Just for that second. In, you, were like, you, you looked at the paper on the table and yeah. were like, no. So you're like, all right, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm going to trump this yeah. going off, <laughs> off the auto queue. So there's these great people. <laughs> <coughs> on both sides. Yeah. yeah. All right. So shall I just kick in? Crack on in. All right. Okay. So we don't have a cold open. We have credits going over a scene. A young boy with big round glasses stares at an Egyptian mummy in a museum as the credits roll across. He barely blinks. That's the start of the movie. A young kid, probably about 12, just staring, unblinking. I'm thinking sort of like a sped up shot behind him, but he's just not moving. Staring oh, at the mummy. cool. Yeah. yeah. And so then the it's sort of a time lapse going on behind exactly. him. And he's non-moving, staring at this, and it all goes in the background. He's just focused. Is it too early to ask... If this is modern day or like modern day, so this is like a contemporary. So, so this, so this the, bit, the British Museum, yeah, that sort of thing. So we're UK based. Um, I mean, I've, I've written it with America in mind, so Ooh, probably the so Natural History Museum in New York, maybe. Okay, but yeah, so it, so the story set now, so this would be like what eighties, maybe. Wait, no, now no, no. isn't the eighties. <laughs> no, but this is set in the past. This little bit. Oh, this bit. This right, little bit, because we're going to follow this boy as he reaches adulthood. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah. this is going to be, but there's going to be no tales. Like there's going to be no like you know music of the time playing. It isn't going to be like Stranger Things. You know what I mean? Right. Talking yeah, yeah. about like oh, Nightmare on Elm Street fives come out. Nothing like that. Just going to be straight. It's just going to be that. that. Felt a little bit venomous. No, do you know what? I really like Stranger Things. Yes, but right. there's a little bit on the nose at the end. <laughs> So, a young boy with big round glasses stares at an Egyptian mummy in a museum as the credits roll across. He barely blinks. Twenty years later, a young man with big round glasses, the same bo- the same man, the boy is now grown to a man, is cutting the body apart just out of frame. He places the organs in a jar. Um, in jars. So, like he's... Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Like, like uh, when you're um, mummifying... Exactly, uh, yes. Yeah. The man also carefully removes the heart and places it in a silver bowl. We see his face, and his face is streaming with tears, and he's whispering, I love you, repeatedly. He grabs a long-handled instrument, which he crams at the nose of the body. It is a close shot, um, so there is no detail of the whole body, because I don't want it to be too upsettingly grim, but it's still quite grim. Um, which he crams at the nose of the body. Uh, it's a close shot, but we do see that it's an elderly woman, so we see enough of like the, the facial features to get that from it. He swells the instrument and extracts the brain as it pulls out. Once this is done, he moves over to the sink and vomits into it while still weeping. He then grabs the heart with the bowl and a jar of coloured liquid with leaves and spices floating in it. He moves back to the body to continue his labour. We, we get a hard cut to the same man sitting alone on a sofa. He's pale and obviously shaken by his macabre work. That's that's the, that's the beginning, really. So we're in act, we're, yeah, we're, we're... Yeah, sort of like, kind of like a semi-prologue kickoff of Act yeah, okay, 1. Okay, cool. Act 1 was established, so this is Joshua. 
He's in his mid-twenties and until recently was living with his mother until she passed. He's reluctant to share many details um, of this to the few people who ask about her. He works at the front desk of a funeral home where his duties are mainly administrative. The funeral home is run by an elderly couple, their son Andrew and a few part-time members of staff. They all treat him well but um, they are concerned about him and politely suggest that he find other work. He's not quite suited to the work that he's doing. Hence why he's only on the front desk. Right, um, oh, because he doesn't like the dead bodies and stuff? He, he has a weird, like, attachment. And this is, we'll Joshua is not the guy from the beginning. No, Joshua's the guy from the beginning. Oh, Joshua, is. Joshua's the main cat. He's the he kid at the start, he's the kid with the... Cuts yes. some body up. Yes. Then we cut to this contemporary, same to the same time period yeah. we've just seen. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay. And then we find out through some exposition. Yes, that, 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 that's his life and everything yeah. else. Yeah. Um, he's, he originally intended to work with natural cadavers, but became far too emotional when he did. The family kept him on because he's a hard worker and they like him. Andrew also has a mildly flirtatious relationship with Joshua, where she enjoys it and makes Joshua humorously uncomfortable, but also seems to suggest a genuine attraction between the, the actual two men. Another person in his life is the elderly na- neighbour Clive. He <laughs> was good friends with his mother. It seems that Clive has helped support Joshua and his mother for some years in many small ways. I've come round, keep some company. What was the name of, of the third guy, the, uh, the flirty guy? Um, Andrew. Andrew. Oh, okay. Yeah, Andrew will be coming back later. Oh. Uh, he's quite upset as, as Joshua made it clear that his mum will not be receiving no funeral or memorial because she's passed. So yeah. his mum has died, and that's the body that we saw earlier. Right. And Clive's come around and kind of going, well, when, what are we going to do? Yeah, when are we picking up the body? Yeah, and he's like, no need. sorted, it's, don't, it's all been handled. <laughs> and he's like, well, I, I care about him, I want some closure. Um, he's not going to get that. There's also a couple of school friends called Sally and Thomas. That feels like yeah. a tricky conversation. It is. It, what, so where is your mum's body now? It, oh, it's all taken yeah. care of? Yeah, he's no very, very reluctant to give any details. Mm. He's just trying to kind of give him a cold shoulder, essentially. So, right, you know, right, no, right. no I've, I've dealt with it. Um, yeah, there, there's no memorial my mum didn't want that mm. and he's like well I kind of want I've that. buried her in the back garden yeah like a <laughs> yeah she's in jars mate <laughs> <laughs> um, his couple of school friends called Sally um, and Tomas who are who are now a couple but still make time for Josh Tomas yes I just thought it would be nice to add a bit of a bit like of T-O-M-A-S yes M-S-Z like Tomas nah, no uh, just Tomas uh, yeah Tomas uh, just Thomas and he's uh, alright Thomas for that name yeah <laughs> okay. that, hey <laughs> don't, don't get hung up on that why am I brain up <laughs> I mean all, all I our friends I can't remember now why I made it Tomas Dickies observed that their usually reserved friend has become even more closed off and difficult to reach recently also, Sally and Joshua did used to have a romantic relationship many years ago, but she knows Joshua better than most. They've moved to the opposite side of the state for, for, for Tomas's job, but they're checking with Joshua as much as they're able. So they still regularly call him, check up on him and everything else. And also, they, want to, they like him. He's a mate. So we're following, in terms of the film, who are we? We're following these characters, really? No, we are following Joshua. Oh, we're, so we're okay. just getting contact. So you probably would get like a phone call from Sally, maybe, going, how, how are you doing? Because okay. okay. you, your mum's been ill for a okay. while and everything else. Act 1 ends with Joshua heading towards the basement in his house to finish the final stages of his deceased mum's mummification. A body has been dried, covered with swift scented oils and stuffed with sand. Joshua then proceeds to wrap the body carefully, pausing to kiss the dried forehead once before he applying the final bandages. We also um, we have another hard cut to Joshua sitting by his mother's bed with a prone mummified body lying upon it. He's stroking the body, smiling as he's pleased with his work. He's, this is probably like a time lapse of a few weeks now. Mm. It takes a few weeks to make an actual mummified body. I've looked this up. He's interrupted <laughs> by a harsh knocking at the door. It is a drunk Clive demanding to know where Joshua's mother is and why he won't let him see her. Because he's going, well, where's the body? What's happened? And he's, he's, had, he's, 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 he's had a couple. It transpires that Clive was in a romantic relationship with his mother, which Joshua was actually unaware of. 
Clive forces his way in and eventually finds a mummified body upstairs, um, after like, searching the house quite aggressively. This leads to a physical altercation as Joshua tries to explain that his mum died naturally and he was making sure that she would be happy and complete in the afterlife. As Clive gets increasingly aggressive and attempts to call the police, Joshua sees a large looming figure of Anubis standing over Clyde with its claw on its shoulder, on his shoulder. The giant god's glowing white eyes are expressionless, but its mouth curls in a slight snarl. Joshua smashes Clive round the face with a bedside lamp and proceeds to cave in his face and head. He then drags the body to the basement where he dismembers and burns the body in the furnace. So Joshua's not alright. No, it doesn't sound like it. But this is also the first time that he actually sees Anubis. Yeah, and um, we see a new Yeah, yeah, too, so, yeah. so you kind of imply that there's a, there's a certain amount of break in him at this point. That having to defend his work and also being attacked has caused, has, has caused an escalation of his, of his sort of out, a break in his outlook, maybe. Act two consists of Josh, Joshua beginning to, to lose his grip on reality as he sees Anubis more often in his life. No one else is aware, but a dog-headed god is sighted most around Andrew, Sally and Tomas. Every night he sleeps beside his mother's body, with Anubis crouching on the other side of the bed facing him. His health begins, begins to obviously um, kind of get worsen as he stops eating. He, so he's barely sleeping, he's barely eating, he's becoming more and more sort of uh, broken essentially. He interrupts a funeral day of hosting at his work by screaming that their loved one will suffer in the afterlife because they're not properly sort of prepared. He's prepared, right, for um, journey. Throughout the whole scene, Anubis looks expressionless from behind the coffin as he causes quite a scene there. So he's starting to sort of like scream at the, at the various mourners and saying, you're doing this wrong, you're, 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 you're damning your loved one. And Anubis just stands there behind the coffin staring at him. But the camera never focuses on Anubis. It's just there almost as a background thing. So there's no real shot of it. It's yeah. just there as a large sort of, sort of large dark sort of figure. Andrew eventually manages to reach Joshua and hold him until he calms down. Joshua looks over at Anubis who is no longer there. Andrew takes Joshua home as he's barely responsive after the funeral. He promises to stay the night, affection and concern written all over his face. Joshua falls asleep on the sofa as Andrew sits in the armchair close by, the, close by worldly watching over him. Joshua is in a, in a slight fade out as he loses consciousness. Joshua is awoken by Andrew talking frantically on the phone to somebody. It is evening outside, so quite a few hours have passed. Completely ignores the stir in Joshua. It's become clear that he has found a mummified body upstairs and is talking to the most contacted person on Joshua's phone, and that is Sally. So he's calling a friend, not the police, because he cares right. about him. He's kind of going, look, yeah. your friend, I don't know what's happening here, but I've, I've, there's a body upstairs. It's, there's, no, there's no foul play or anything, yeah. as far as I can see. Does he be able to... Uh, wait, is this Andrew? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Andrew works at the funeral home, right? Exactly, so, so yes, know... so he sees an embalmed body, essentially. Yeah. And knows... He'd still be like, the, the fuck's that dude yeah. here? But at least I can tell it's an, you know, exactly. it's not some sort of weird... Torch. And he is kind of saying on the phone, like, should I call the police? Mm. What should I do? Yeah. Um, and um, Joshua's eyes are filled with tears. Leave the house is it's, what yeah. I would recommend. But then he cares, because obviously Joshua's yeah. going through a hard time. So here's the thing. Who's the, who's the most recent called number on the phone? There it is. Okay, I'll type that into my phone, yeah. and I will leave the house, <laughs> and I will make that call when I'm fucking miles away. <laughs> well, I mean, Andrew's in a state of a bit of a shock at this point. Mm. So, um, Joshua's eyes are filled with tears as he sees Anubis step into the room and stalk Andrew. So, as Andrew paces around, Anubis is standing behind him. I'm worried for Andrew. It's not looking great, mate. Um, Andrew sees that Joshua's awake and tells Sally to come as fast as she can, because he's obviously very concerned. And he's saying, like, please, you've just got to get over. I don't know what how to handle mm. this. Because he knows if he calls the police, Joshua is in a lot of trouble. Joshua tells him that she died because she was elderly and ill, and that now she'll be healthy forever in the afterlife. Argue Andrews that it is not how life works, and they're going to need to sync with the body. Joshua screams that this is not a body, it is his mother. Um, this scares Andrew, starts to move towards the door, because yeah. now he's starting to go, 
this is worse than I thought. He yeah. really has had a I think break. Noth- I think out of everything, <laughs> that's probably the scariest thing yeah. said in the most banal way. Yeah. But out of all the stories that we've you know yeah. made up, whatever, told each other so far, the, the idea that someone would go like, that's not a dead body, that's mother. Yes. I'd be like... Ooh, that's where Andrew's like, this is above my pay grade. Yeah, yeah this is old, getting quite uh, sort it's of. It's the yeah. old dust cloud and shoes hanging yeah. in midair, and, and you just hear the door slamming. And yeah, I'm fucking. Dead. He's now thinking, okay, Joshua's worse than I thought he was. He's not. He's not a guy who's stressed. Yep. He's a guy who's having a bit of a break. This scares Andrew. Starts to move towards the door. Anubis, who's been behind him the whole time, the whole time, snarls aggressively. Oddly enough, Andrew reacts to this like uh, doesn't see Anubis, but he reacts to the to the noise cool. and looks behind him. Um, and then Joshua lunges for him. Andrew runs to the basement to escape, now out of control and snarling Joshua. Eventually, jo- Joshua kills Andrew down there by cutting his throat. Joshua weeps as he stares into Andrew's dying eyes. He kisses him and promises that he will be whole in the afterlife. Oh, no. So he doesn't even see that he's actually killed the guy. He thinks, this is an unfortunate thing that's happened, but I will fix it. Yeah, he's I'll like, make sure he, you're he's okay. He's like, we're all going here anyway. Yes. You're just going there slightly early. Yeah, you will understand once I've finished. Act three, so so I mean, so Act two is probably going to be quite a lot meaty than I've written. Yeah, there's a fair bit more you could do with his life. It's going to get worse as it goes along. So I'm doing broad bullet points here, the mm. bits that I that I know. I also think in this story you wouldn't really have a B story either because I think you'd really want to be on Joshua the whole time. Yeah, because I think his mental state is the story really, but in his fracturing mind is the story that, that, that it is. Right. Um, so yeah. I think you wouldn't want to water that down too much. No, and I love the conceit of the sort of religious fervour where they, yeah. um, they're so bought into it that they don't see it as a bad thing. They, yeah. they actually think, conversely, it's it's a good thing because they're helping. Yeah. It's like that old Doug Stanhope joke where he says that you would know a Christian really believes it because they yeah. wouldn't be wearing fucking seatbelts in a car. Yes. He's, that's where he is now. Right. He's kind of he's, uh, gone off he's the deep taking end. the seatbelt off yeah. and he's like, hey, just whenever you want to take me. Yeah, you he's, know, but he's, I'm helping this guy. It must be his time. Yeah, he's not all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, turns out it's Andrew's time. Yeah. Who knew? And in my house as well. Like, <laughs> no, of all places. <laughs> yeah. Well, lucky I'm here to help him yeah. out. Because also, he also sees that Anubis is giving him almost like the actual go ahead to do this to Andrew with a snarl. He's like, okay, Anubis has not steered me wrong so far. <laughs> yeah. Which clearly he has. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Putting two yeah. and six together. Exactly. Act three is Sally and Tomas reaching the house sometime during the night. So they've been driving straight away. They've just gone straight in the car and are driving there. So probably a good couple of hours have passed. After breaking into the dark house, they go up, they go up says calling out to Joshua as they go. They just they search the house, basically. Yeah. They discover the mother's body, and this caused them to start to panic. Tomas goes for his phone immediately, but Joshua comes out of the darkness uh, from, behind, from, from the corner of the room and attacks him as he's standing in the corner of the mother's room unseen. He uses one of the implements, a large curved blade, from the basement to injure Tomas severely by slashing deep across his forearm. So literally just being able to open his arm. Ugh. Really like, you know, butterflies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate. Um, so it's a, it's a hefty wound. Tomas tries to push him back weakly from Sally, but soon passes out from the great loss of blood. Joshua stands between the exit and Sally. She's screaming for him to stop doing this, calling him a monster. Because obviously, as much as she's loyal to, to Joshua, she's just seen Tomas getting really badly hurt by him. Oh yeah, so she, a little, yeah. alarm bells start. Yeah, she's now back, thinking this like, is yeah, okay. This yeah. isn't Joshua now. He's now severely ill. Yeah, you you pass the threshold. Yeah, and you're like, oh yeah, I thought I knew you. Yeah, <laughs> but actually, now that I'm looking at yeah. your your long dead, yeah. um, mummified mother's corpse on your bed that you clearly yeah. sleep next to, 
Yeah, she's I mean, that's yeah. probably going to be apparent looking at the bed. Her thinking now is basically, it's always the quiet ones. Uh. <laughs> basically, her sort of mental monologue. So Joshua stands between the exit and Sally. She's screaming for him to stop doing this, calling him a monster. He replies, he just wants to make sure the people that he loves will be safe in, safe in the afterlife. And he knows the secret ways to make sure that they are. As he says this, Anubis looms behind Sally, Sally out of the shadows. Joshua says that this life is constant decay and rot. And if we do nothing to preserve ourselves, then we continue to rot forever. Um, in an effort to distract Joshua, Sally smashes a fist down on the mummified body on the bed, Ooh. caving in the face. Joshua howls and rushes over to, her, to the body. Sally takes a chance to push back Joshua, but he turns too quickly and slides a blade straight through her chest. Ooh. She stares in his eyes as she dies. Joshua falls to his knees amongst the bodies as Anubis stands over him and places a hand on his shoulder. So we kind of, that's the sort of the end of the movie in a big sense. Oh, okay. So we then jump to the epilogue. So this is now a little Ooh. bit of time has passed. So, so the police break into the locked house. Probably going to be daytime. You don't know how much time has passed. And they find four mummified bodies in the beds upstairs. So in his bed, maybe there's two in, in the mother's bed um, of Andrew, Sally, mm. Thomas, and his mum. They're surrounded by empty clothes and jars containing their organs. And they're all mummified and properly taken care of and everything else. So he's, he's had some time to himself. Mm. But people have reported them missing, so the police have now right. tracked them down to there. The police search the cellar and find the floor sticky with dried blood and Joshua's corpse. He died whilst trying to preserve his own organs. So he's oh, basically opened cool, himself cool. and there's sort of jars where he's maybe got a couple of things a into a jar, in. but Fuck not enough up. into the jars. And it's like, Playing a one-man game of operation Yeah, he's really... And, yeah. And, then, and then we see um, Anubis, there's expressness from the darkness, his ear flicks, and the movie ends. And that's it. Fair enough. Yeah. Little short piece, little short bit of gothic horror. I mean, look, like it, I like it a lot. Yeah. The uh, act one is basically is the mum situation. Is the mum? <coughs> he starts doing the mum. Yeah. It maybe ends sort of sort of culminates with. It culminates with with Clive, I think, with Clive's Clive yeah. getting done in because at that point the reason he doesn't mummify Clive is because he has no particular care for the man. Because at this point, he's attacked him. Right. He's challenged him. He finds out about a relationship, which he didn't know about. Mm. Not that he's necessarily against his mum having a relationship, but he's against not knowing, mm. not knowing anything about his mum. I think it's important we don't see the mum alive in the movie. Yeah. I think it's quite important that we don't define her at all. I think Deborah? Yeah, Debs. Yeah. Old, old well, Debbie. Well, that's, that's just, uh, you know... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, she has, Deborah, she has. Deborah yeah. or Debs to her friends. Yes. But <laughs> I think you're in more in the mates yeah, category. Yeah, mother to Joshua. So I think Act 1 will culminate in Clive's death yeah. and his body being dismembered and burnt. Um, it's one of the reasons why I said it in America because they tend to have sort of larger furnaces in basements. Um, so I think Act 1 culminates in that. I think Act 2 would need a lot of Joshua's life as his mind is going. Mm. So there's going to be a lot. So, that, so I've only really put one interaction there with the funeral. But I think there probably would be a lot more stuff like that where Anubis's presence starts to unnerve him more. Yeah. So I should sort of challenge his actions more. So you could pad that out a lot more than I have. Yeah. I've only just given a few. He could almost time. you could almost get to the point where Joshua in Act Two starts to push back against this. And yeah. it's like, hang on, no, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. I'm losing my mind. I can't believe I killed Clive. You yeah. know, all this kind of stuff. So yeah. that we the audience are like, Yes, Joshua, God, no, finally. You could have his mind really ebb and, and flow. Then, yeah. And then Act Three. Yeah flips it back like he yeah. cracks further or whatever because the end of act two is essentially andrew calling sally and thomas that's really the end of act two 
So however, so really end of act yeah. one is Clive's death. And then the end of Act 2 is Joshua's basically the cat's out of the bag. Yeah. Somebody else now knows. And then Act 3 is the Is the the, the grim sort of happenings. Um, So, yeah, that's my my little ditty. I like it. Do you... Had you thought... Had you got, like, a feeling about why this is happening or what's going on? Do you see what I mean? Like, uh... I Even if you don't, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I didn't like, want... so is Anubis really there, or is it a fra- just a fracturing Joshua? I've, Do you know what I mean? I like... would take Anubis as a kind of as as a kind of an avatar for like an obsess with an obsession with death, or at least yeah. a closeness with it. Which is why I why in my mind Anubis so he's isn't triggered real. by his mother's uh, grief over his mother's yeah, death. Yeah, I think that's right, definitely right. a big part of it, and gotcha. I think the reason that I would say that Andrew had some reaction was because he works with death. Um, yeah, and I think it also gives the the audience a slight: is Anubis actually there or not? Is Anubis because I mean the end does imply that Anubis is a separate entity because it's still there when Joshua's dead. But so I, so I didn't want to put too much on that. Yeah, but I thought having Andrew react to the noise gives you a little taste of yeah, like, no, that's very cool. a little rough like oh is is it is, is he it? just yeah, ill yeah, or absolutely. is it or is he in some way influenced? <laughs> I didn't. I wanted to. I, I really like that. Yeah. Now I'm just wondering how much I would love that as a if I was watching a film where that happens. Yes. Because you know we watch a lot of movies together, yeah. and you know I will yeah. quite happily shout at the screen like, you "Why are you doing that?" And, yeah, yeah. You know, why would you go in yeah. there? Um, you absolutely ruined the clumps for me. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm just wondering whether I whether I, I whether I feel like he, I, I as an all as a viewer whether I really needed some sort of clarity on that or whether you can get away with leaving it obscure i think i think actually you could really make it or break you could really go one way or the other with anubis at the end because if anubis is there at the end then it does heavily more imply that he's an entity of some description if he's not there at the end and the police just find joshua's body yeah then that is just a figment of his imagination yeah with the slight question mark over andrew's reaction your preference is to go with anubis is there no my my preference is really that he isn't there right but i i just quite like the end shot of of like the sort of like jackalier flick as he's just looking as the police standing over a body of like joshua's just yeah grotesquely carved apart i do like that a lot I just, uh, I suppose my only question again is, is if I'm watching it as an audience, yeah. am I going to think, oh, right, no, it was Anubis. It, it, it was yeah. all real. I think, I, I think know? definitely, yeah. I mean, I think you would have to, I think really you could, you could put a lot more of that into the Act 2 stuff as well. See how much influence Anubis has over him. Depends on, if, I think his actions in those scenes would really tell you a lot more. The one thing that I would say I wouldn't like to see would be any sort of like prime mental illness in Joshua. So I wouldn't want it to be like he stopped taking his meds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I didn't don't want it. It. You're not looking for any overt. Yeah, I don't want to blame it on. Yeah. It needs to be ambiguous. I don't want it to be like <laughs> crazy men. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't. I don't. I, don't I've, I see it as more as somebody who is morbid and also very caring and has found a way of marrying those two things. So he's, he's, his way of. of rationalizing his knowledge of death and his and his presence in his life yeah. is to rationalize and to try and fix it in and, and, he, and he's found a narrative with the egyptian stuff right. that works for him so he's kind of going well actually if, if i care about people and people are better in the afterlife and will never decay or get ill or die yeah, yeah. that's where they should all be because if i want them to be safe i want them to be there yeah i like it because it, it's it's religious fundamentalism yeah is what that is yeah yeah and it's and it's fear that like 
because that's that's the big the the big thing not to get too sort of like deep on it but the the the, the big thing about life is that it's 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 hard because it matters it's that's it it's just can i just quote that back the big thing about life is yep. that it's hard because it matters exactly yes we don't have that much sympathy for him because he was already a bit of a yeah. shit and actually he is, he is murdering I folk. Yeah, I think you, you you could have a lot of flashbacks to like to him get, getting a job, going for a job interview. You could have him, you could have an explanation of why he's administrative and not actually doing the job he was going to do. So maybe have him... Just having react. sex with the bodies. <laughs> That's implied, mate. <laughs> I mean, I joke, but it could, it could be that. I, I, I'm not sure I would like that. <laughs> Sort of changes the tone of your film a bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> One for dads. <laughs> I think. Sorry, um, I'm thinking of the film I've written for next week. Ah, <clears throat> yeah, no, of course. Yeah. Funeral fuck party. <laughs> FFP yeah. coming your way. Two um, weeks. So yeah, I mean, I maybe had him. Maybe when he's do, do, like like the first time he's called upon to actually work with a cadaver and maybe approaching it either unhealthily or maybe. Showing some degree of of emotional weakness, maybe not. Yeah. I don't. I don't mean by by that as in getting emotional. I mean as not being able to handle the reality of something that he thinks he can handle. Because mm. even with the starting scene with the stuff of his mum's body, he's not cold and mechanical. He's tear. He's broken. He's weeping. He's mm. he's he's fraught. He's not. He's not a guy who's just going for the emotions. In my mind, he's a very emotional person. Yeah. Well, I just and it, this again totally changes the entire tone of your film. So yeah. feel free to throw it out. Yeah. But uh, I was just wondering, what if you actually had him being a murderer or some sort of weird mm. serial killer who kills by doing the yeah. mummification ritual? Yeah. But then when his mum dies, mm. it, he has, the Anubis actually starts appearing. Yeah. And then it's like, oh shit. This is a I mean, different game. I, I, I do I'm like, going to do this properly. Do, like this shit's real and yeah. on it, you know. And then he, then he's yeah. fully. He's not doing it because of whatever psycho reasons. You he know what? Had. Weird with that. That was the original idea. Oh, was it? The original idea was to have him as just a as just a, a serial killer with a um, with with a motif. And I found it quite hard to write that because mm. I couldn't really think of anywhere. For, I couldn't really think of a story around it except concept guy kills in this way. There is a slightly, I don't want to say autobiographical, but there <laughs> but is. You did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you should have seen my 20s, mate. Went through jars like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Making people jam. <laughs> people jam is the best jam. Yeah. It's a, oh, yeah. It's a great band, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that is it's a hard thing to. Um, to acclimatise yourself to and I thought well maybe written somebody a touch like myself but without that without the healthy stuff <laughs> so he's, a, he's a basically someone like myself without without the healthy grounded part which makes you kind of go that's life that's what it is that's how I've got to deal with it he goes no I'm going to fix it then that's that's sort of that which is you know which is not an uncommon horror trope in yeah, a sense you know much, a, lot, yeah. a lot of Pet Cemetery is a good yeah. example of that, actually. Yeah, you know, Definitely somebody basically trying to fix their yeah. little bit of psycho, but without without the anger. Because um, I see he's got a lot <laughs> yeah, of it's anger. All, all the love you put in it. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's like he's a lovely Bates. <laughs> lovely Bates. Yeah. Well, we all like them. Um, <laughs> oh, I love a good bait. <laughs> titles. Um, I was thinking, keeping it simple, calling it pyramid. 
keeps it um, ambiguous. Pyramid or maybe Anubis. Something simple. Or Egyptian. Mm. Anubis, a new bat. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit a little bit of bis uh, no. <laughs> trying to make <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? I'll stop trying to make puns. Yeah. Unpunnable Anubis. Yeah. Well, because in, in my mind, he is essentially making his house into a pyramid. That was that was the thought. That he's essentially filling it full of loved ones and things. Oh, I see. Yeah, jo- Joshua. Yeah. So, so, the, jo- so, the, the, so the, the house is becoming a tomb to Joshua. Yeah. It's because he's creating his own pyramid around right. himself. Right, yeah, yeah. On all the his house. possessions yeah. and stuff. possessions yeah. and yeah. all the people. With him, and he's kind of collecting people like their possessions, essentially. That's the unhealthy part of his life. Yeah, 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 yeah. storing them. No, that's cool. Yeah, that's I'm not loving pyramids. No, I mean... It's not straight away. M- m- my wife said I didn't like that either. Yeah, it seems a bit... seems a bit inaccurate somehow. Yeah, Although, even clumsy. though... Clumsy. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, it's not my favourite. But then Tomb was a bit vague. Mm. I didn't really like that either. Mm. I'm sure there's something you could do. I mean, what I would have done was come up with a couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like Spoils of War. <laughs> Mate, I uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a glass house stone thrower. You are. is what I am. <laughs> Anubis' his job yeah. is to weigh, yeah, you know, and then decide where they go. Yeah, so good or bad, yeah. basically. Well, see, I've seen because that's what I. So when when Anubis does something to somebody, so if he puts a hand on their shoulder, oh yeah, or snarls, uh, that's, that's his him. judgment, and that's what. Joshua's acting upon. So when he sees it doing it to Clive and sees the Anubis reacting like um, quite aggressively to him, he takes that as a judgment. The um, jars of truth, jars of truth. Yeah, I don't know. Jarhead. <laughs> that's really funny. Jar heart. <laughs> heart of jars. Heart of jars. <laughs> <laughs> the jar factor, right? Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. You, I get the feeling you were going for another non-the title. Yes. I think cause I, I don't. I don't want to. I wouldn't want to give too much away because I don't. I wouldn't want people to go into it with too much prior knowledge of what's going to. Because yeah. one thing I was really when I was writing it, I feel like pyramid might wow. point in the direction of. I mean, whereas jars of truth. Yeah. <laughs> be like what the fuck's that? <laughs> I think even when you watch it, you'd be like what the fuck is it called that for? What I wanted to avoid is to have the mummification thing as a purely as an affectation of the. Is he just using like mason jars and shit? No, there would be like. Um, Where he's getting the actual kind of car. Or at least something similar. So mm. maybe something that would look. It's not, got a bit of money then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got his mum. His, his oh, mum's yeah, probably got a fast, money. Yeah. Um, I don't, Poor old I mean, Debs. Yeah, phew, hardly knew her. Uh, <laughs> apart from Clive did. That terrible uh, fuck, ostrich accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call it the ostr- ostrich incident. <laughs> Sounds like a Grisham novel. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Debs is dead. Dead Debs. Dead Deborah. Don't know. <laughs> just, yeah, I'm just doing it. This blue sky, yeah. that's what they call Debs it. Debs in a jar. Debs in a jar. Jar of Debs. Jars of Debs. Jars of Deborah. Jars of Deborah is not bad. <laughs> no? Jars of Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. People would people would want to know what that was about. Yeah, they would. That would join a lot of people. <laughs> I would see Jars of Deborah. Yeah. Do you know what? Know what's really weird about this? I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast. I mentioned. I don't. I mentioned to you that I was writing a story that I wouldn't watch. Yes, you did. Um, and that's when this me, idea was about a serial killer who used mummification. Because uh. I was right. Because I, I, I basically I had the idea of somebody would do this. So I thought that's never really been done that much. 
in this specific yeah. way. But I thought, I, I wouldn't ever watch a movie with somebody just grimly putting folks in jars. <laughs> it just, it's just not the kind of movie I'd watch. Yeah. So I, but I thought, I want to write it because it's stuck in my head. But I would watch it now because of the love aspect. So, you know, love jar. <laughs> I think the love jar might, <laughs> don't know. Clyde's nickname for Devon. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. They were close. I know. <laughs> they were close. People find of any age. Love mate. jar, though. It's a sort of thinly veiled euphemism for, for a cum bucket. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. Not me. I. <laughs> Just to be clear, I didn't say cum bucket. <laughs> no. You said love jar. Yeah. Basically, what I, all I'm saying is that's like. That's like the sort of telly, it's the pre-Watershed yeah. TV version of Cum Bucket. And I, and I think that's offensive. Yeah, <laughs> the pre-Watershed Cum Bucket. <laughs> so, guys, you, you can have Cum Bucket, but look, you want a half eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to me halfway and call it a love yeah. jar. <laughs> you have to imply Cum Bucket, but you can't say it. <laughs> it's not Channel 4. Oh, I was going to say, hands of Anubis. Yeah, I like that. Because if the hand is going on the shoulder yeah. to signify approval... Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think that's quite good. Hands of Anubis? Yeah. Better than um, Love Jars. Yeah, better than Love Jar, Cum Bucket or Pyramid. (laughs) 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 I was going to say, just to be clear, I wasn't suggesting Mm. Cum Bucket is the name for the film. Your eyes lit up, mate. (laughs) I was was suggesting Love Jars. No, no, I didn't. In fact, I suggested uh, Jars of Deborah. That's what I suggested. Or Deborah's jar. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, Hands of Anubis I like. Hands of Anubis. Yeah, there we go. I yeah. feel like it has just enough... I feel like I'd feel shortchanged if it was just called Anubis. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I went, went to see it and I'd be like, oh, there's hardly anything with Anubis in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, because Anubis doesn't do a lot. He just stands there looking... Yeah, um, and he's not, in it, he's not in it that much. Yeah. Probably not a lot of screen time. I, I also, as well, really, apart from a couple of shots, I wouldn't ever want a direct shot of Anubis. I'd rather have the camera on Joshua right. and then Anubis in relation to him. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's yeah. awesome. If we don't, yeah. we've done we've done titles, hands of Anubis. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and yeah, on that IED. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's knocking on the door of bad taste. I'm, I'm joining in, mate. <laughs> I'm following well, your you lead. You would not hear me touching yeah. bad taste stuff with <laughs> no, uh, with a barge pole. What I was going to say was two things. First of yeah. all, feel free to feedback on yeah. uh, John's story this week. Suggestions to yeah. the film, movie it, titles. To be fair, I particularly to J Dubs, who's quite good at sort of padding stuff. Um, <laughs> I mean, in a nice way, as I think. Um, I think Act Two definitely needs a fair bit of padding. I think. I think that, that <laughs> yeah. would be um, right up his alley. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right up his Richard. <laughs> yeah, right, right in his jar. <laughs> His, his, his rear love jar. Never <laughs> <a> good name. <laughs> if you also want to add to John's story or yeah. you know, send any thoughts or what what not, mm-hmm. let's make a horror movie at gmail.com or L M A H no. Yeah. L L M A H M pod on Twitter and give us a shout. Oh, yeah, and if you uh, like this, please do rate us and review us on whatever yeah, please do. 
receptacle vehicle you're yeah i've already got quite a few bits of kind feedback and reviews so yeah add to it yeah but we're <laughs> running out of money so you know yeah. paying them oh, so can't you got to free <laughs> yeah those russians aren't cheap <laughs> So, yeah, uh, write in, let us know. J-Dubs, as always, look forward to your yeah. feedback. <laughs> and let's make a horror movie. And we'll see you for the um, Hall- for the October specials. October specials. Yeah. Coming up. Coming at you. S- specials with a small asterisk. Oh, yeah. As in very. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be special to us. Yes. On that party popper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's nice. There you are. I like that. Um, let's make a horror movie. See you in two weeks. Bye-bye. <laughs>